friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Voici Tim et ses amis. Get that right, Sammy? Perfect. Oh, parfait. Parfait. I am the Tim. You are the Ami. Amis. You don't pronounce the ass. Ami. Understood. So it's Jesse Rubinoff, and he is in control of the wheels of steel that connect Jesse. us. Jesse. 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 C'est la même chose en français. Jesse. Jesse. C'est pas Jesse. C'est pas français. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Whatever. Yeah, I'll take it, I guess. Tim is not either. Timothy, peut-être, but Tim. Tim, no. It's pas ça. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of that. Uh, social media 2023, you can get in touch with me, Timothy, or Jesse. Jesse. <laughs> on, uh, at Tim and Friends on Twitter yes. and Instagram. Today we've got 90 minutes of gluten-free goodness coming your way. 12 games in the NHL tonight, four in the NBA, including a pretty good double dip on Sportsnet 360 that includes Shea Gilgis Alexander. Listen, this is a public service announcement, all right? Old school, NBC, the more you know coming across the screen. Canada. If you already aren't on board with Shea Gilgis Alexander, maybe try tonight. My guy is creeping into MVP oh, yeah. territory. I said it at the start of the year. You did. I continued halfway through the year. You did. And now that we are near the end of the year, he's going to get votes, is he not? He's not going to win. No, he's not going to win. He's going to get votes. Yeah, which I never really understood. Like, how do you get votes if you're not going to win? Who's voting for you? I, it happens. Right. But, but you know what I mean? Because there's usually like three but favorites. But there's one, two, three, four, five. I know. And people say, this guy deserves a vote. No one else is going to vote You're for him. You're essentially throwing I'm a vote. I'm going to vote yeah. for him because if OKC gets to the playoffs, this is one of the more ridiculous seasons that we have seen in the last little while. For I'm sure. sorry. All for right. sure. you got to watch that. Sportsnet 360 a little later tonight. If you're up late, if you're in Vancouver and you're thinking of something after most of the games are done, although I know the Canucks and Sharks play 10 p.m. Eastern time on Sportsnet Pacific. However, if you're looking for a little flick maybe in between commercials and periods, check out your boy. Shea Gilgis Alexander in a big game as they take on the Clippers once again. Now, after a couple controversies last night in the National Basketball Association, another couple of controversies. Mark Stein is going to jump on the show in the opening hour to discuss whether or not the NBA has a problem with their officials. I took a deep breath mm -hmm. because I don't want that to sound like it's hyperbole. I really feel like the NBA might have a problem with their officials. Yeah, I feel like we were almost already there with the Fred Van Vliet Ben Taylor situation. Right. And somehow it's just gotten worse. For those who missed it, one of the best players in the NBA last night went like this to the officials. Luka Doncic accused an official of being bribed by money to make a terrible call. We'll explain it all and maybe jump in a little further with our boy Mark Stein. Jeff Blair also going to join the fray after another Impressive outing from Yusei Kikuchi. Wait, what What did I just say? Another impressive outing. Does this count? It counts, right? Like, 
I know it doesn't count count, but if you were looking for signs that the Jays <laughs> rotation might be really good this year, this is a sign that their fifth starter could actually contribute this year. I think it's definitely a reasonable. Sorry, it's, Director Robinson. It's definitely reasonable. Yeah. However, I don't think spring training is the real show me moment here. It's when he gets roughed up in the regular season. How does he bounce back? Okay. You know he has the stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. You know he has the stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Like, how do you, when the real bullets are flying, how do you respond when you hit adversity? No doubt. For me. Well, now we know he just needs to relax. Yeah. Maybe Bill Murray. Some, well, the, the lineup he faced was pretty good today, but maybe sprinkle in some minor leaguers in the uh, lineup and he'll do pretty well. Uh, Bill Murray has a quote about the more relaxed you are, the better you are at everything. That is that is probably true. For you, Kikuchi? For everybody. I believe it to be. Yeah, yeah. And for many, yeah. Some people zone in on like the super intense stuff. I believe the more relaxed yeah. you are, yeah. the better you are at everything. Yeah. We'll see if Anthony Stewart agrees. He is going to join us as well as we take the Sportsnet Ontario audience to the Leafs and Panthers live on Sportsnet, one of five games available for your viewing pleasure across the Sportsnet family of channels. Knights Flames, Penguin Stars, Shark Canucks, and a, a rare 6.30 Eastern start for the Wild and Why the not? Flyers kicking it all off. Man, this is a jam-packed show that we hope is, well, almost as good as this game. I Man. I want to play. <laughs> this woman needs to take a step forward, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Did you do the last broken. one on purpose? Fan's broken now. Is it for a viral video? Is yeah. there any chance that she did the last one on purpose? Because I I chuckled like eight yeah. times when I first watched Probably, that video. Probably, but it's fine. I think we're past that. Like even if it's staged, if it makes you laugh, it makes you laugh. It. Do you have a fan like that in your house? Nah, don't. No. no me either. Might need one though. If if Might I need did, to go get one. Yeah. If I did, <laughs> the wife and I would be playing this game. Yeah. Need a, need a good ceiling fan. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I mean, you just. <laughs> all right if we get halfway to as good as that i will be proud bleep it i'm always proud of this crew and it all starts with jesse rubinoff more ways than one first things first so let's get into every nook and cranny tamu solani all right, we are running out of superlatives to describe Connor McDavid's season, but he did it again last night, scoring twice, including the OT winner against the Coyotes to reach the 60-goal mark for the first time in his career and faster than any other player in the salary cap era. The Oilers have 10 games remaining. Do you think he'll get to 70, Timmy? I guess the pace is, what, like 68 right now? Yeah. To do the math on this, which I'm not very good at, uh, I think I was done around grade 11. Uh, the number is around 68, so why the hell not? I mean, he'd be the first since McGilney and Solani to get to 70, and that's why I went Tamu Solani, and I thought that you would stop for a second and acknowledge nook and cranny <laughs> Solani, but whatever. You can just power through that. Fastest to reach 60 since Mario Lemieux in 95, 96. Fewest games to reach 60 in the salary cap era. I mean, this is... 
a really impressive number and he's not done and they're not done and I hearken back to the conversation that I still I really enjoy talking to Connor McDavid on this show and I name drop it way too many times but the reason why I name drop it or go back to it so many times is because he said some really interesting things on this show. Mm -hmm. He said the thing about Leon Dreisaitl and going to the All-Star game. He said the thing about the best on best and how the league and the PA dropped the ball. And a year ago, after they struggled and they placed their head coach, he said to you and me that he wasn't consistent enough and their struggles that led to the end of their head coach and led to the start of the Jay Woodcroft era mm -hmm. were because he wasn't good enough either and that he had lost his confidence a little bit. And like we're talking about the greatest player on planet Earth saying I wasn't good enough. And if you play back the tape, I may have actually chuckled. But upon further review, and bear with me on this, <laughs> I know I say lines for what makes people great all of the time. But isn't what we're seeing from Connor McDavid, and last night was a perfect example because on the ice in just two games in the NHL last night, were Connor McDavid hitting 60 and Nathan McKinnon going toe to toe with Sidney Crosby, mm -hmm. who hit 30 Again. in true Sidney Crosby fashion. Now, 11 seasons of 30 goals with the same franchise. It was just for me last night an example of what makes both of those players great. And Connor McDavid this year has taken another step to be on the level of a Sidney Crosby. This is such a great Sidney Crosby goal for 30. I mean, who has a Classic. backhand nobody, like this? Nobody. <laughs> nobody does. It's like a slap shot is what Sebastien Morin said to me before the show. Like, backhand, Might be the best roof. At it's, that. it's, yeah. It, I mean, back when my dad and those guys had the... Straight sticks, Straight, yeah. yeah, they're doing Different. damage with the backhand, but in the last little while, mm -hmm. without a doubt, he's there. But, but this consistency, the thing that makes Sidney Crosby great is that he does it every bleeping day. And I did not want to say bleeping. I wanted to say every <clears throat> day because that's what he does. Every, and it doesn't change regular season, postseason. The difference between good and great is consistency. Yeah, McAuliffe says that all the time. But when you watch Crosby do all of the little things, have you not now seen that in Connor McDavid this year different than any other year that he's played? Yes. And I think a lot of it is... There's been no lull no. in Connor McDavid this year. No. Do you know how hard that is to do at that level? I, I, when I look at what Connor McDavid's done throughout his career, it's the ability, which is, which is rare and very few players have this in, in all of sports, very few athletes, the ability to 
continuously find a new skill to work on and get better at and, and therefore make yourself a better all-around athlete. Because we had said, Elliot Friedman said on this show, Nick Kiprio said on this show, if Connor McDavid decides that he wants to score this amount of goals and win the Rock of Richard, he can do it. And he has done that because he has chosen to hone in on that particular part of his craft. I, I agree with you to a mm. certain point, but I'm going to counter. Sure. Yes, he's gotten better every year. Yes, he works his ass off to get better every year. But it's not just skill. Mm-hmm. Vince Carter, in his prime, I was covering the Raptors. He was the most skilled basketball player in the league, but he wasn't the best basketball player in the league. The hindsight on Vince Carter is watching highlights, looking at numbers, and saying, wow, how great he was. Vince Carter could have been even greater had he gotten to what I'm talking about with Sydney. We have seen guys with skills through the roof. You've all grown up around someone who you saw with these absolutely ridiculous skills that never sniffed the NHL or the NBA or Major League Baseball because they didn't know how to do the other stuff. This, this, and what we're talking about when we're talking about Sidney Crosby is that and is this and is figuring out how to be a difference maker every damn time he's on the ice. And what I have seen this year from Connor McDavid is that same thing. And that's the best getting better with not just skills, but also his head, his heart, and his passion. And I don't know that we see that very often in any realm. Like you think of all the the Roger Federer's of the world, the Tiger Woods of the world. They all have what I'm talking about. And what I've seen from Connor McDavid this year is that he's added that. Yeah, that's such a good point. I was just going to bring up some of the other athletes because we often wonder, you know, how can we squeeze more out of the the personalities of a lot of these who are the best of the best, right. a lot of the greatest, right. whether it's um, like Brady's a bad example. Let, let me let me walk let me walk yeah. the golf road with you. Yes, Jordan Spieth thought would be that guy, mm-hmm. never no. really gone there. No, Sergio Garcia, talent, skill, there early, didn't have it. Couldn't take that next step. Rory McIlroy is great, but he's not Tiger Woods. Talks too much now. So so what's the difference? And I think it's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so my point is, we try and figure out why we can't get more out of these specific athletes. And it's because they have this like burning competitiveness and intensity where, and a singular focus on being great. And you, you, that's why we can't figure them out. They're complex right. personalities. Right. Tiger Woods, it's very complex person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Jordan, very similar to that. Connor McDavid, people have tried to figure out for years, how can we sort of squeeze more out of his personality? He does a great job when he's on this show, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's because they have this, they're so intent on being the greatest that it's all they think about. And that is why you are now seeing him elevate to this level. Okay, so let me counter that with... Did you hear Rick Bonus yesterday mm-hmm. talking about the Winnipeg Jets? Mm-hmm. I'm going to play for you a clip from the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets talking about a team that you, me, others have thought are very, very talented and have the skills on that team to be among the better in the Western Conference. 
Let me counter what I just said about what makes McDavid and Crosby and all those others good with Rick Bonus. Do you need more commitment from some of your best players right now? We can't, I've got to get more out of them, to put it that way. Yeah, sure. It's interesting, though. Like, I mean, players, I mean, the coaches only can do so much. I yep. mean, you need the players to come to the rink and motivate themselves and, yep. and have that commitment themselves. Like, yep. So what do you need to do that's different than... Who motivates you when you wake up in the morning? Myself. There you go. Right. So why do you say then... And that's because that's to do more to motivate those guys. That's what we're dealing with. So that's that's part of our job, um, is just to stay on top of them and keep pushing them, and don't let them get into a comfort zone and don't let them back off. And uh, sometimes you're doing that, you know, you're not even aware of you're doing you're doing it. So it has to be shown, has to be talked to, has to be addressed. So we'll keep pushing, and then the rest is on them. Yes. If we, if we were allowing this and just not addressing it that they can do more, then that's one thing. But we are addressing it. And now that next step, that's your point. That has to come from them, yes. It just, it, maybe it just seems a little odd that some of these guys have been in the league for yep. six, seven, eight years, and you're having to try in game 71, 72 to get them to motivate themselves. Yep. That's what we're dealing with. Like, that's damning. Very damning. And then put that in context of that team. Put that in the context of the Calgary Flames. Mm -hmm. Put that in the context of the Vancouver Canucks trying to take that next step that they've been trying to take for however long you want to put it. And then put that in the context of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Are they still trying to figure out how to get from... Connor McDavid last year to Connor McDavid this year. And I'm not saying that ends in a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I'm just saying, do you see it every damn day from the Toronto Maple Leafs you can watch on Sportsnet a little later on tonight? Yeah, I, I think when you're evaluating these teams, you have to figure out, are they lacking talent or are they lacking work ethic or are they lacking both? And with the Jets specifically, I think everyone can agree that the Leafs from a top-down perspective have, have more talent more of a question of work ethic but I think when it comes to the Jets maybe they're not as talented as we thought and while you may have the work ethic sometimes obviously the coach doesn't think so but it is possible that the team is sort of just maxed out and maybe they're not as good as we thought and the therefore win, the work ethic Jets? talent is just not as good I think the Winnipeg Jets have talent I would disagree with some of that sentiment mm-hmm. and I would wonder about the Toronto Maple Leafs and whether or not they can take that Next step. To the work hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. No doubt. When you put both together, look to bleep out. You get greatness. Right. Uh, okay. Canada basketball night at Scotiabank Arena lived up to its billing. Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Maturin, and O'Shea Brissett all started for the Pacers the first time in NBA history that three Canadians started for the same team. And Nemhard led the way with 25 points and 10 assists as the Pacers beat the Raptors 118 114. The Raptors sit in ninth place in the East with just nine games remaining in the season. How costly was that big, loss? Big, big, big loss for the Toronto Raptors. And who would have thought when they went 
I don't want to call it all in at the deadline because that's not what it was. But when they added instead of subtracting, I don't think any Raptor fan thought what would be in a situation where we look at the Eastern Conference standings and say, will they even make the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Like the Indiana Pacers just clawed to within two games. Now, there are nine left, so it will be most probably Raptors in some sort of play-in tournament game. They've got four games against sub-500 teams, five against teams that have a winning record but now you got Scotty Barnes wearing a cast or a brace or whatever you want to call it on his left wrist you have him Gary Trent Jr. and Precious Achua missing practice today and being questionable tomorrow for the Detroit Pistons who always seem to play him tough at least under Dwayne Casey I didn't think that we would get to the spot where you and I were having a conversation about whether or not they could miss the playoffs that's a legitimate conversation right now they're just too inconsistent they, just, they are what they are, and they're just too inconsistent. Like You can't go 7 for 34 from 3 and, and win many basketball games. And it's every other game they shoot like that. So I, I, it's just, it makes me question even more, watching them post-deadline, what were they doing? What were they doing? Did they really think that they were a center away from being, well, I don't even know what the ceiling is. Like I said a couple days ago that I think that they could make a competitive series against the, the Bucs and maybe even the Celtics. Do think they can win? Probably not. But you can be competitive. But then you have games like that, and it's like, what? How is how has this happened every other night? And was it really worth giving away a first round pick and two second round picks to be either a potentially now a, a non playoff team or a play in team? So did you not agree with me when I said that I thought that they were bringing in Pirtle to see exactly what they had and what they should do in the off season? I think I I think I do, I think I do agree with that. But it felt like they were sort of wasting what potentially could have been a, a quicker avenue to back to relevancy by falling further down in the standings. And obviously, as players, they're going to compete, but management has to have this 10,000-foot view or 30,000-foot view. You have to see what is the best um, thing we can do for organization moving forward. And at the deadline, maybe they thought they could make it to the play-in. But what, is that, what does that do? What does that do for them? That's the question that I would have. Yeah, but I'm, I'm telling you that it's not about this year. It's about evaluating moving forward, and then what do you do with Fred? Take, away the, ex- take away the excuses of not having a center, see what this team is, really, and then move forward. Yeah. But how much can you do now? Don't you think they're a little bit hamstrung? No, they could do... I won't get into this again, because last <laughs> time I got into this, it got me in trouble. They can do a lot of things. They have a lot of different options, and that's why they did what they did at the deadline. By the way, shout out to Canadians who played really well for the oh. Pacers, who also look like they should be better than they are. Yeah, Fred VanVleet said it. Like, let's not be so welcoming next time Canadians show up in Toronto, because they, they played pretty darn well. Right. By the way, speaking of basketball, whatever the hell happened in Dallas tonight, or last night, we will talk about tonight with Mark Stein on the NBA's ref issue. Mm-hmm. Is it a ref issue? We'll ask him. Anthony Stewart ahead of a busy night in the NHL, plus visits to the rink in Florida, Calgary, and Ottawa. Plus, after the break, we check in on the Jays. One week to go, Jesse. Exactly one week today. Opening day. Highlights. Jeff Blair. All things Jays. Next on Tim and Friends on Friday Junior. Six seconds. Here's a step back three. Welcome home, Andrew Nemhard. What a night for the Aurora native. And by the way, it's Warriors ball. What is going on? Uh, Dallas decided not to guard their own basket. That is, (laughs) 
That's they, going they on were, Shaq and the Fool right there. They were all on the wrong side. They, that's their basket. That's the Warriors' basket. Oh, Mavs yeah. line up to defend on the wrong side. I've never seen this in my life. Dry subtle turn. Second baseball on Tim and Friends in a bad scene for the Phillies today. Star first baseman Reese Hoskins went down non-contact knee injury trying to field the ground ball. He had to be carted off the field. No update on what the injury is as of yet, but it did not look good at all. 30-year-old is coming off a 30-home run season. Added six in the playoffs as the Phillies made the World Series and looked like a legitimate contender once again this year. Big blow Definitely. to the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, exactly one week away from the Jays season opener in St. Louis. That's March 30th. News today, Adam Wainwright is hitting the IL, so he won't pitch in that series for the cards. It's Opening day starters league-wide will be named tomorrow. Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman. Manoa. All right. Yeah. I agree. Meantime, you say Kikuchi on the hills. Maybe it's Kikuchi. <laughs> Have you seen his spring kids? Six start. How about this? Sub two ERA over 13 innings coming in. Oralvis Martinez. That's uh, not him yet, but he struck out the side in the first inning. This is Oralvis Martinez. Goes the other way. A run scores to make it a two nothing game. Bottom of the third. Twins threatening, runner on third, Kikuchi. Oh, window shopping is Carlos Correa to end the inning. I don't know if you know this, he's a pretty good hitter, yeah, Carlos. He's decent. Yeah, he's decent. Bottom four, Kikuchi, Kyle Garlic, or Garlic. Tyler White, seven strikeouts through four innings through Kikuchi. Then he gets Byron Buxton second time to end the nine punches. Over five scoreless, three hits, one walk. I'm not saying he's your opening day starter, <laughs> but he might be a starter. And that's something for Kikuchi. Bottom of the ninth, here's Nate Pearson. How about this? Triple digit heater past Willie Joe Gary Jr. to end the game. That Willie is a, Joe Gary Jr. What a wonderful handle. Blue Jays shout out to Twins. 3 0 the final. I don't want to screw it up. Willie Joe Gary Jr. Yeah. Willie Joe. Gary Jr. Love so that they enjoyed Willie Joe Gary Sr. so much they decided to bring along number two. It's a fabulous point. <laughs> right. I enjoy talking baseball with Jeff Blair. I was doing it in the entire commercial break. Mm -hmm. And so I will bring on Jeff. Willie Joe Gary Jr. How's that handle, Mr. Blair? My first thought is if he was a hockey player. What would his nickname be? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, tough. We had this conversation uh, yesterday or the yeah. yesterday or the day, but anyway. Garrier. Yeah. <laughs> Gares? Wills? Gares, yeah, it's got to be the S. JoJo. Can't be the ER or the Y because everything is a Y already. <laughs> yeah. I got you. So, listen, Jesse and I were talking about this even before the show started. We started the show with you say Kikuchi, and now I'll ask you, what does the spring mean to a guy that kind of sort of struggled to find his groove that we all know has stuff? Well, using or giving out the usual caveats that 
spring numbers don't matter. Spring performance doesn't matter. In this case, it matters. Uh, look, this is a guy who was being counted on to be the fifth starter this year. Uh, he's a guy who I would argue has become more important and became more important last year as Jose Barrios struggled. And I'll, I'll say this, even if you don't want to read anything into what a dude does in the spring, when a guy goes out there and checks all the boxes, which is what Kikuchi's done, uh, you know, still, you'd like to see the walks cut down. Uh, you know, you, you'd like to see, I mean, we'll wait and see what the fastball command is like once the season starts and all that stuff. All, the, all, all that aside, though, you come out of spring training feeling good about this guy. You went into spring training not feeling good about this guy. So from my point of view, that makes it a success. Saw today, I think he hit 90, <clears throat> 96 a couple of times. You know, he's facing a lineup that had some major leaguers in it. And you could tell just by watching, watching the finish in some of his pitches, right? There was a little sort of cockiness, that little leg kick mm -hmm. you saw at the end. I mean, that's a guy who's really feeling good, right? And, you know, very early in spring training, Pete Walker said that he thought that the pitch clock could actually be something that really, really helps Kikuchi right. because he has to think less. Right. He just has to go out and execute. And, yeah, so far the proof, I, I mean, the proof is there. Now, will it translate into a regular season outing? We'll find out. But I would suggest that right now uh, we're all more comfortable waiting to find out as opposed to breaking spring training and going, oh, my God, he can't believe this guy is still in the rotation. It could just be confidence, and if it is, just tell me. But from what you've seen and or heard, what's the difference here? Like, what what is it the beard? Is it beyond the beard? Is it just confidence? Has he been working on anything differently? Yeah, I mean, he's made some mechanical adjustments. He's done some things with arm angle. But I just, it, to me, he looked different right from the get-go this spring. When he watched his first start, there was just... Uh, there was a little less things were less perplexing i guess is the way i would put it for him and that's what i was talking about that little kick at the end there yeah um you know a couple of years ago this guy was a really good pitcher right and i just think that this may be one of those things where you know he's kind of found a little something and and you know maybe maybe he feels he has a lot to prove he's one of those guys because you know we don't we don't speak Japanese. He's one of those guys that I think you have a hard time kind of getting, you know, I mean, you can't get inside somebody's brain. I don't think when you're going through an interpreter. Right. And we don't know what makes this guy tick. It's entirely possible that he's a very prideful guy and he's a little pissed off. Right. All right. So barring injury and I will uh, knock on wood for all involved. Uh, it looks like that's your fifth starter. Uh, we showed the numbers from the, uh, five starters of the Jays. What's what's the idea on Mitch White as he comes back from injury, and where he'll be, where he'll start, and does he end up being Stripling 2.0, or do you see him even in the minor leagues being stretched out? I mean, I think he's he's probably at best a swingman. If if he's going to make a ton of starts for this team, it means either Kikuchi's been bad, 
or God forbid it means that Jose Barrios has been bad. Right. I, I've kind of thought all along, and this is no disrespect to Mitch White, but if I see a lot of Mitch White this year, it ain't going to be good. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I can't. I, if he's starting a lot of games, it's it's that's not a good thing. That means something's gone pear shaped. It means somebody's been hurt. But beyond that, I look at him as a as a swing guy. And I mean, I will say this. He's an important he's an important part of this team because, you know, during the year, you're going to need more than five starting pitchers and to be charitable. Right. The depth the Blue Jays have at AAA in terms of starting pitching isn't very good. So <laughs> I got you. That, that makes Mitch White an important guy. Right. I got you. I'm putting two and two together and I think I'm coming up with four, although I said math is not my strong suit. So. Friday against the Phillies, Alec Manoa hits the bump, or at least is scheduled to Saturday the Tigers. It's Kevin Gossman, and we're expecting to hear opening day starters from across the major leagues tomorrow. Who did the Jays announce as their opening day starter, and does that mean as much as home opening day starter? Yeah, I know. I've never thought it did. You yeah. know, I don't know. Kevin Barker disagrees with me, and he played. So obviously yeah. it means something to guys who played. It lines up as if it's going to be Alec Manoa because the Jays have that Friday off. The choice is letting Manoa go in his regular rest or giving him a couple of extra days. I don't know if you really want to do that right now. He seems to be a guy who thrives in routine. But at the same time, Kevin Gossman seems to be a guy who thrives in routine. And Kevin Gossman's been there. I mean, let's just say he's been their best pitcher this year. So I could go both ways in this, but my sense is the the Jays moved Manoa in front of Gosman, I think, for a reason. So my sense is it's likely going to be Alec Manoa uh, in St. Louis. And then I haven't I haven't even really I haven't looked ahead to the home opener, although right. I will say that I've always thought the home opener is a bigger deal for a pitcher than the regular season opener. The difference now is the Jays home opener is a couple of weeks into the season. Yeah, so theoretically, games. You know, you could be one and one, two and zero, oh, or zero oh and two as a starting pitcher coming into the coming right. into the home opener. Right. Okay. Before I let you go, I, I know that uh, spring training there hasn't been a lot of position battles. There's not a lot of who, who's the one guy that hasn't been talked about enough going into this season. Whether it is a prospect that may come along later, whether it's a guy that you think could help this year, whether it's a guy that's moving along quicker than others expected. Just give me someone. Zach Pop. Um, yeah. Pete Walker said the other day, and I think Ben Nicholson Smith wrote this as well. Pete Walker said the other day that Zach Pop could be the Blue Jays' Clay Holmes, a guy with a heavy sinker, a great sinker fastball combination, a guy who can pitch in late innings, and a guy who could do for the Blue Jays what Clay Holmes did for the Yankees last year, which was pretty terrific. And I think if you're the Jays, if you get Zach Pop up here, he starts a triple A, you get him up here at the same time that Chad Green comes back, suddenly, you know, if Chad Green comes back, and I think a lot of people think he'll be around here in, in, in August or September, mm -hmm. suddenly you've got some intriguing late inning options uh, for John Schneider. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on Zach Pop. All right, Zach Pop, Brampton. See, it's it's not all L's for Brampton all the time. That might be a W yeah. for Brampton. Good Good <laughs> uh, Jeff, great talking baseball with you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, fellas. Be well. You too. Uh, there is the lovely and talented Jeff Blair. Lovely and talented. Uh, after the break, 
We'll get back to the NBA talk. Uh, Mark Stein is going to join us. Uh, we'll explain what's happened over the last couple of weeks in the NBA and ask Mark Stein if there's something to the referees and the issues that they've been having with players and coaches. We'll do that next. It's not good. Whatever. It's not good. The NBA doubleheader tonight on Sportsnet 360. First up, Cavs, Nets, Brooklyn. Cavs fourth in the East. Nets tied for six, trying to avoid the play-in. That gets going at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. And it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the Thunder in a rematch from Tuesday against the Clippers. Shea had 31 in a dramatic comeback win. Affected by the officials a wee bit as the Thunder sit eighth in a jam-packed race in the West, see it 10 Eastern on the aforementioned Sportsnet 360. So that wasn't the only controversy that the refs played a factor in. The Mavs and Warriors is under protest after the latest run-in last night with officials and players. This time, Mark Cuban ended up at the scorer's table, which isn't unusual, but Luka Doncic doing this to officials was. Suns Lakers, Scott Foster, Chris Paul, free throws were 46-20 to 20 for the Los Angeles Lakers. As mentioned, the Clippers and Thunder, Raptor fans over the last little while know Scotty was tossed for a game for some innuendo, and Fred Van Vliet got into it with Ben Taylor. For all of this and more, let's bring in Mark Stein, who was at last night's game between the Mavericks and the Warriors. Welcome back. Love you repping the B-Lo and the Buffalo Sabres before we get going on any of this official stuff. Yeah, I uh, I can't imagine you want to say much about the Sabres right now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will rep them no matter what is happening on the ice. True and this is, the o- this is the only show I can do it. So. True, true fan. Uh, their inconsistency maddening, understand, but still a true fan. So speaking of maddening, What happened to the Mavericks last night was really interesting. And for those who missed it, uh, the Mavericks believed that the ball was theirs coming out of a timeout. The Warriors believed it was theirs, and so did the officials. And it ended up in what was basically a free two points for the Warriors, who won by two. At the end of all of this, and Mark Cuban scorer's table, Luka Doncic making the fingers, and now it under protest, what was your biggest takeaway? Well, look, it was a scene. I I certainly can't remember something like that happening. It was interesting. Yeah. In the in the second half of the game, I actually left press row to visit with someone in the stand. So I was really there, like just as a spectator at that point, more than media member. And it was so confusing to try to figure out what was happening. A lot of confusion on the floor. You know, the protest is going to be lodged formally. It's not going to succeed. I think deep down the Mavs know it's not going to succeed. What you're actually seeing there, that's Mark Cuban at the ESPN broadcast position. He had, during, you know, right after this happened, or between quarters, once during the game, and then also after the game. This is him after the game. He's he's consulting with Jeff Van Gundy and the ESPN crew trying to figure out what happened because, uh, look, the Mavs, the whole team was was out of position and confused and not where they were supposed to be. But also there was one of the three referees was on their side. When you see right. the frame of the Warriors getting their five on five on nil, two bonus points, uh, one ref is missing because he was he was spot. down there where the Mavs were. Right. Uh, Jason Kidd is heard on the broadcast saying, you told us 
that it was our ball. So uh, really what should have happened in a situation like this, when the Warriors went to inbound and a bunch of Mavericks players and one of the referees is missing, you know, the ref should really, the, the crew there should restore order, you know, stop the game. You don't just give the ball and hand it to the other team so they can inbound and, and score an uncontested layup. There should have been a, what's going on? You know, there's clearly chaos out there, right. but it didn't happen. And just, you know, uh, protests succeeding in the NBA are very, very rare. There was one in the 07, eight season, but before that you've got to go back to 82 for the last time. There's only been five or six successful protests in league history. And, you know, Mark Cuban laid out, he's been very vocal and transparent on Twitter on exactly what the Mavericks case is going to be. But again, I think deep down, they know it's not going to be overturned because the way protests work in the NBA, if the league were to grant this protest, Mm -hmm. the Warriors would have to come back to Dallas and they resume the game from that point. So you're basically talking the last two minutes of the third quarter <laughs> and the whole fourth quarter. Not going to happen. No. They're, they're not flying no. the Warriors back here uh, in the midst of this crazy Western Conference jumble to play that fourth quarter over again. So, uh, but okay. look, you know, Mark Cuban has been a vocal critic of NBA officiating Forever. for as long as he's on the team. <laughs> yeah. And lodging this protest, it does give him that opportunity to. No spotlight an issue that look you you know I'm how many times did you guys play the Fred Van Vliet clip when yeah. he talked about yeah. and t- this is hardly an isolated concern in Dallas right now I mean the, the 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 reputation between teams and the league's officials it's not in the best place it's ever been right okay now. so let's let's walk through that because when you have one of the best players in the league and Luka Doncic giving the money sign to a referee I think that's when like the commissioner needs to talk and listen when Fred Van Vliet Uh, went off Uh, I thought it was even underplayed by American national media because we know Fred to be such an intelligent thoughtful player like one of the more thoughtful players I have ever covered and I said the NBA really needs to look at this closely and they have we've seen Ben Taylor's crew chief assignments go down drastically since Fred Van Vliet said what he said so I I ask you in the grand scheme of things from a 30,000 foot view does the NBA have a problem between their officials and their players? Yeah, right. I mean, look, last night it wasn't even just in Dallas. I mean, you heard no. Monty Williams pounding his fist on the table, furious about that free throw discrepancy you referred to. Uh, you know, there were there were two or three other games last night where, uh, you know, there were officiating issues. So obviously it's that time in the season where playoff seeding is on the line. Tensions are high. And look, I do think it's a problem. And it has been a very tense season on this front with a lot of headline grabbing incidents. But, you know, this is my 30th season. (laughs) And I've been asking this question myself. How do you make it better? Where, Where are these better refs hiding? It's like clearly... You know, we expect we expect the referees to bat a thousand, and right. it's it's not going to happen. But I so have a th- I have a th- I, I'm not exo- I'm not exonerating any individuals who you know any individual situations right. because you know for Fred to be as mad as he was that night, you know Fred had never done something like that before. So to push him over the edge the way that did certainly tells you that that was 
not a normal situation. Um, but just the the from the basic fundamental point of how to improve the refereeing, how to train them better, how to cut down on mistakes. Right. Man, if I had that answer, I'd be uh, but, I could retire from what I'm doing. And, and <laughs> okay, so I've been around for 25 years too, and this in Toronto, it's been about uh, they're against Canada, they don't want to see the. And I've told everyone like, relax. Like if you go to every market, every market has a problem with the officials. Here's where I think we may have a difference. You can tell me I'm crazy. I don't mind it. I'm a grown ass man. I got my big boy pants on. That. The 4K super slow-mo review has exposed the referees' mistakes to a level that we didn't see when we were watching Jordan and Bird and Magic and Isaiah go toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow. And the officials now kind of sort of have their back up against the wall because all of their mistakes are exposed. Do you think that plays a role? No question it plays a role. And then the other part of this is that referee discipline is generally not made public. And I think from the fan perspective on, on the public side, you're, you're saying, well, why can't we hear more about the way they're graded? Why can't we hear more about the way they're sanctioned when they make mistakes? And we very rarely get that information. And so I think that is another source of frustration but yeah i mean it's 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 really not dissimilar to you know i i totally agree with what you're saying you know it's the pressure the pressure and scrutiny on players is magnified to crazy levels in the social media era and you know look something nobody's even talking about in the in that mavs protest i mean there's there's clear footage if you go through it of you know of kavan looney you know forcefully grabbing Luca's jersey in the <laughs> you know in the seconds before the ball went out of bounds and all yep. the confusion started so yeah with slow-mo now you know we can really laser in on the errors and again you know the referees are expected to be a hundred percent correct which is never going to it's humanly impossible the game is too damn fast right uh, a lot of people love the Sabres hat. Uh, I love the conversation at the Stein line on Twitter, uh, markstein.substack.com. Appreciate you, my dude, and uh, hopefully the Sabres get a little bit more consistent. For yeah, you. please please throw some magic dust their way, please. <laughs> Sprinkle something there. All right, buddy, be well. There is Mark Stein uh, from Dallas. After the break, we'll visit with Brinks. In Florida, Ottawa, and Calgary, ahead of 12 games in the National Hockey League, plus Anthony Stewart, as we continue to discuss the brilliance of McDavid, of Crosby, and get you set for action across the league. Tim and Friends continues. We will ask him about the Leafs in that McDavid Crosby conversation. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Final half an hour on Tim and Friends. Still to come, Anthony Stewart ahead of 12 games, a dozen in the NHL tonight, including six Canadian teams as the stretch run of the regular season continues. Yes, it's go time for many. Leafs pregame show follows us on Sportsnet Ontario ahead of the Leafs and Panthers regionally. Now, Tough one for Toronto last time out. 7-2 loss on the island with more. We send it to Sean McKenzie 
who draws the tough assignment of a late March visit to Florida. Sean, you hanging in there, buddy? Tim, I have to say, the hardest part has been that I did a Montreal-Tampa game on Saturday night, and it just didn't make that much sense to fly home and then fly back out to South Florida. So I have been in Florida since Friday, just grinding away. And you know what the hardest part is? What's that? The most challenging part is knowing you're spending so much time in the sun to get that perfect mix of bronze but not burnt <laughs> so when you're on TV you look good but you don't look red. It's very, very difficult, don't but know if it's I'm still working on it a yeah, few more days. Know. Okay. Yeah, tell us about hockey. Well, please. there's a hockey game tonight. See you, Tim. There is a hockey game tonight. It will be an interesting one because Sheldon Keith saying before that the, the challenge for the Maple Leafs, as it was against the New York Islanders, is to match the intensity of these teams who are desperately fighting for their playoff lives. So it's something they have addressed. It is something that they hope to see better uh, here against the Florida Panthers. Sheldon Keith continues to tweak his lineup, though. They will go with 11 and 7 again. TJ Brody back in, Luke Shen in. Morgan Riley is out. Keith saying that they just wanted to get him some rest after a tough stretch, and it will be Matt Murray getting the start, Tim. Load management has found its way to the National Hockey League, as predicted right here on Tim and Friends. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it, buddy. Always. There is uh, the finely tanned Sean McKenzie here. It's not that I'm jealous. Leafs three points up on the Lightning. Two games in hand. Entering the night, those Lightning facing the Sens in Ottawa. Speaking of desperately fighting for their playoff lives, the Sens running out of games in their playoff chase. For more, let's go to the nation's capital. And Kyle Bukaskis live. What's going on, Kyle? Yeah, Tim, well, first off, we've got, like, no sun here in Ottawa all winter. <laughs> It's been terrible. Yeah, you look um, but, You know, I, I think, Tim, the Senators team. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Senators team is just they're going to keep grinding here until they're told mathematically, you know, they're right. done. They're seven points back, just 11 games left here entering tonight. But, you know, you look at their last four games. DJ Smith was even saying this morning that, you know, of that stretch, the one in Pittsburgh on Monday, that was probably their worst performance, and that was the game that they actually won. And that, of course, was off the backs of a historic performance by Dylan Ferguson. So the question is, who starts in goal for Ottawa tonight? Well, DJ wasn't confirming this morning, but if the morning skate is any indication and around these parts, it usually is, it looks like it's going to be Matt Sogard. He was the first goalie off by a wide margin uh, this morning. And so he's another guy that was coming off, I thought, a real steady performance two nights ago, even though it did come in a loss against the Boston Bruins on the road. Another storyline entering tonight, it's the return of Nick Paul. His first game back here in Ottawa since he was traded to Tampa literally just over a year ago. He saw some old teammates yesterday. Him and Austin Watson were chopping it up in the hallway this morning between the two dressing rooms for at least 20 minutes. They solved all the world's problems, it seemed. <laughs> Maybe they're just getting it out of their system before the game actually starts here tonight. But, you know, I think he's going to get a real nice reception. He was the big piece coming the other way from Dallas from the Jason Spezza trade all the way back in 2014 and he really struggled with those expectations and the pressure of that early on he was up and down from the minors what seemed like countless number of times he was pretty open with just kind of the personal demons he battled with along the way and having that self-belief that he could hang around at the NHL level and I think how vulnerable he was along the way it connected with a lot of people here in the community and look at the player he has become here now right he gets a chance with Tampa bet on himself last year and signs a, a life-changing seven-year deal last summer and it was his two goals effectively in game seven that knocked off the Maple Leafs in the playoffs last year so I believe Nick Paul could probably drink for free in this town till the end of time Tim uh, Kyle vitamin D vitamin D get it drops at the store you'll be good okay <laughs>
I'm going to text Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. There is Kyle Bukakis, who, by the way, was was he not in Florida for the? Yeah, uh, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're a drops like, vitamin D guy, eh? <laughs> yeah. Not a not a pill. Not a pill? Form? No, I believe in the drops. Right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, desperately fighting for their playoff lives again, how about the Flames? Another huge game against the Pacific leading Golden Knights. Calgary enters tonight, four points back of the Jets for the final playoff spot. With more drama this week around both of those teams, no drama with Ryan Leslie joins us now Ryan never a dull moment in Calgary no I, you know load management and Sean uh, McKenzie go hand in hand don't they he's been in Florida slacking for so long here you're talking about vitamin D I look like I'm the lead character in the hit movie powder I'm so pasty but there's a hockey game to get to yeah. and uh, yeah there is a bit of drama and you've heard the reports uh, about Nazem Kadri and the communication with Daryl Sutter and Certainly ice time has been reflective. Uh, he has uh, just been playing in and around just over 12 minutes. That went up last game against uh, Anaheim, but uh, that does not sit well, except for the fact that when asked about it, he said, look, uh, I've been through this before, and adversity, he can handle it. But as far as the communication and those reports that he was unhappy with the way things are going with Daryl Sutter, he met with the media today and addressed it. It's been fine. You know, it's been fine, obviously, uh, you know, throughout an 82-game season. You know, you're going to have rough patches and, um, you know, not everything is going to go your way through, you know, eight months of, of playing. So it's about how you bounce back and uh, how you fight that adversity. And you know, that's something I've been pretty good at throughout my career. So this is uh, this is no different. Honestly, it's just about winning the next game. That's what we've got to focus on. I think there's a lot of speculation that, you know, happens in Canadian markets. And, you know, that's uh, that's understandable. But, you know, for us, these games are huge and uh, this is really all that matters. So, yes, as we focus on this game, it is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames. Needless to say, Calgary fighting for their playoff lives. Vegas, no, they've been one of the hotter teams since the All-Star break. For Calgary, though, they went into Vegas. They picked up their very first win. They smacked Vegas around that night on their home rink. They have not forgotten that, the Golden Knights, so they're going to come in here and uh, try to get a little uh, retribution. But in speaking with Jack Eichley, just said, you come into this room, they feel poised. There's just such a core of leadership in there. He's one of the most competitive guys in the National Hockey League, and he sort of feels as though there's more of that in that room. Uh, Logan Thompson, the Calgary boy, makes his uh, return since uh, early February. He'll get the start between the nice. pipes and Jacob Markstrom for Calgary, Tim. Nice, a little U Sports content. I love it. Thank you very much, Mr. Leslie. You got it. There is uh, Ryan Leslie in Calgary. We keep the hockey talk going with uh, the one and only Anthony Stewart, who joins us from the Hockey Central Studios. Oh, my, oh my God. He's come with the, the iPhone, iPhone X. 15 Max <laughs> X, X. Only two Xs. Upgrade. That is Step a, your game up there, Jesse. Step uh, it up. Has, uh, has Gabe Percarello uh, reached out to, uh, to sponsor you? It's John C. Bickington. Oh, sorry, John C. Still not... lost in the... Ooh. Oh. Options. Oh. I like it. Options. I like it. What's the teacher's pet. One? You'd be the teacher's pet Honor. with that combo. I like it. All right. It's platinum. So, Anthony Stewart, we were, uh, we were talking about hockey throughout the show, and at the start of it, we were talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know you're working on the, the pregame show today. 4-3-1 since the deadline. There have been some injuries. There have been some intrigue with this team throughout the year, especially among those who follow them. Are they in a better spot now than they were before the deadline? I, I say yeah, and we're gonna. I'm gonna quiz you guys now that uh, I'm sitting here on this panel, oh, nice. and you know I'm not sure if you guys are DC uh, fans here, but if you ask, can Batman beat Superman? What would be the first question you'd ask as a fan? How much time does he have to prepare? 
And I think that's what's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> right now, that they're taking their time to prepare yeah. for the Superman, which is the T uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So they're going to be tinkering with lines. They're going to see what works, what doesn't. Different combinations, 11 and 7, um, you know, different forward groups, different power play units. And that's the key. Uh, that they know that they're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, that they can right. say, you know what, we're going to take our time here and see what works and what doesn't because they're gearing up for that battle for round one. All right, that's pissing off Jesse Rubinoff. He's mentioned it a couple of times on the show, feeling like you can't hit a groove. Listen, I understand not that Jesse is one of them, but Leaf fans overanalyzing all this. Morgan Riley is out tonight. The reason why everyone is overanalyzing every move is because they haven't won a first-round series. Do you know what this means long term to this team are, are we seeing load management for the first time in the National Hockey League Stewie well we can all thank Kawhi for that but it's <laughs> yes. this time of the year where you know you're, you're not going to be healthy there's going to be bumps and bruises and I think they have enough good enough relationship with the coach to say hey you know what I need a night off and I think the real uh, test is going to be who's going to be in that lineup for round one so for Riley yeah take a night off you know he struggled the other night against Long Island uh, and some other guys need an opportunity to come in and show what they can do but again for me as a player these last 10 11 games that's where I really wanted to ramp up and get ready for right. that playoff series so I can see these last 10 games now uh, when Riley comes back probably next game that they're going to be saying hey this is our lineup we're going to give them six seven eight games to see what they can do and by then I think O'Reilly will be back as well too and you'll see exactly what lineup this Leafs is going to be icing for game one versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay so one of the things that we talked about and we were struck by last night's two games and for those who didn't see him or weren't with us at the start of the the show I was going on about how consistently unbelievable Connor McDavid has been all season long. And then you got Crosby and the Pens winning. Crosby gets his 30th. And the things that made Crosby great throughout his career is that he brought it every bleeping game, Anthony. And you having played in the league understand how hard it is to bring it every bleeping game. Are the Leafs and their core and their very best players at that level I think so and I want to go back to my playing days when I was in Atlanta I finished I think the year with 40 points and I had 37 points after I think 60 games so here I am looking through the DuPont registry looking at new houses because I'm finishing <laughs> with 60 points I'm going to be signing for 3.5 million dollars right. I finished with two points in the last 20 games it gets harder as the season gets long, uh, gets goes along, there's less power plays, there's less time, there's less space. So that's what separates the stars from the superstars. You're seeing Carter McDavid's performance last night, back-to-back -back breakaways in overtime. The fact that he has this much legs and this much gumption this late in the season, it's a different animal and, and different beast. So I really have an appreciation because for me going personally uh, through it, it got too hard. And again, hockey is really hard and they say if it's easy, anybody can do it. But that's what separates some of these players that go on to have the legacies of being Stanley Cup champions and going on runs. And you're looking at some of these great names uh, that you're seeing now. These guys are superstars. And, you know, for the Maple Leafs, uh, remember, they're, they're still young. They're still going through it. We're not talking about a 28, 29-year-old Austin Matthews. They got to go through the growing pains. But I think this is the first year, uh, again, they have their money. They have their term. I think the only thing missing now is success in the playoffs. So I think this is the year that they really take that next step and really turn into contenders. I mean, I, a lot of people go to Mamba mentality in this spot for uh, players who are good and trying to get to, or even, as you said, star to superstar. And for me always going back to Kobe, I think of hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Do the Leafs have that in the room? Is that the difference or am I just oversimplifying? 
Well, we, we talked about the consistency of Connor McDavid, but you've seen that in, in Mitch Marner this year. I think he's yeah. only gone 10 games without yeah. a point. He's had multiple, you know, three-point, four-point games, and he's been the slump buster. Any player that's been on his line this season has gotten out of that slump. So, yeah, that's fair. again, I, I hate saying it. They're young, but it takes time. You're looking at the greats like Oveshkin. When did he win his cup? What, what, what age was he? Right. You're looking at Steve Eiserman. So, again, I think it's over uh, magnified because we're in this market and we're evaluating every single yeah. game. But and I think with the grand scheme of things, you're looking at some of the greats uh, of Toronto Maple Leaf history here. And again, I, I really like the game that Marner's been bringing. We're talking about Nylander, been struggling the last couple games, bunting. But it's an 82-game season, and it's tough. At this time of year, I, I'm getting aches and pains thinking about, uh, you know, the Ben Gay that I had to put on my body right. at this time of the year, right. you know, trying to get to the net. I don't know if you saw the Rick Bonus clips from last night or yesterday when he was talking about the star players in the Winnipeg Jets and talking about how they needed to be motivated. I thought it was pretty damning. And when I heard him speak, I also thought about what's going on in Calgary. And is am I again oversimplifying, or is that the difference between those two teams being in good stead in the postseason and fighting for their playoff lives? Well, I think it's being consistent. You look at the Winnipeg Jets, eight goals in their last five games, and you have all that star, star power in, in Connor, Shifley, Wheeler, Ehlers. Like, those guys need to step up. And, again, it's, it's a tough, tough market. Same thing with the Flames. I know they haven't been getting the goaltending, but they have some guys that have been underachieving. So what's going on in Calgary? You know, I've been uh, the, the worst predictor, I think, in this uh, history of this company here. <laughs> I, I predicted them to, to win the Stanley Cup. So how could I be that far off? Something was there, uh, but something's going on, I think, within this group here. They're too good of a group to be fighting for a Stanley Cup, be fighting for a playoff here. You're looking at teams like Seattle and Dallas that they were ranked ahead of before the season started. So whatever's going on in Calgary, I think they need to figure it out. But they have some leadership there. And if they get that goaltending, I'd be – you know, really, really, you know, hesitant about playing them in that first round. I could see them squeaking in. Uh, I'm not sure about the Jets as well, too. But, again, I think it's good for everybody when you have those Canadian teams in the playoffs. And, again, both teams are underachieving and peaking, not peaking at the wrong time. All right, last one for you. Leafs playing the Panthers. We're talking about Calgary. Matthew Kachuk's having a year, but the Panthers aren't where they thought they would be. What's going on in Florida? Well, you have a new coach, and again, I think just trying to change the style, right? And you're looking at players like Kachuk, who's having an amazing year, 96 points too. But again, this is not a team that's going to be playing a high F3. They have some players that play running gun hockey. You're looking at Barkov, Verhage. These guys are elite offensive talent. So I think you've got to come in there and let them play to their strengths. Yes, you're going to have some 6-5 games. You're going to have some 5-4 games. And I played for Coach Maurice in, in Carolina, where we had that emphasis on defense, because we had to do that out of necessity. So I think it's about uh, just the coaching staff recognizing what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and playing to those strengths. And again, sometimes it takes time. But again, it, it, they're too good of a team to be on the outside looking in as well too. And again, that's another team. If they get in and they squeak in, you know, I know my predictions have been wrong. You know, maybe they beat uh, Boston Bruins in the first round possibly. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I wouldn't make any more predictions. I just, uh, you know, I, I avoid them. Hey, <laughs> I avoid them every once in a while. Stewie, always great talking hockey with you. Thanks for doing this, man. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. There is uh, Anthony Stewart. You can see him on Hockey Central and the Leafs pregame and postgame. He's fantastic. Time for one last break. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff, the voice you just heard in game time next as we wrap things up and hand it over to a bunch of different things, actually. There's a lot of stuff on the Sportsnet family. Stay tuned, I'll tell you. Buffet in sports. It is a buffet. 
Tim and Friends continues with some big news in the soccer world today. As Bayern Munich have fired their manager Julian Nagelsmann and replaced him with Thomas Tuchel. So a new manager for Alfonso Davies. Meantime, during the international window, Canada and Davies will face Curacao on Saturday in Nations League play before the men's team returns to play on home soil for the first time since the World Cup and qualifying Tuesday, BMO Field against Honduras. Big games as Canada looks to advance to the CONCACAF Nations League finals and qualify for this summer's Gold Cup. Meantime, Euro 2024 qualifiers began today with a rematch of the last Euro final. Italy hosting England in Naples where they've been playing some pretty good soccer of late, but in the 13th minute it is the visitors who look to strike. Harry Kane shot blocked, Declan Rice standing there. Declan on the spot and it is 1-0 three Lions 41st minute another England set piece from the corner Giovanni Di Lorenzo is called for a handball in the area hands go up immediately VAR has a look meh but it's a penalty Harry Kane and don't worry it's not France kids although I think you'd rather have the France one than this one it is two nothing for England as he pace, passes Wayne Rooney for the country's all-time leading score. That's pretty good. Lorenzo Pellegrini, 56-minute, plays it into Matteo Retegi. That's his first goal for country, and it cuts the lead to 2-1. Nervous times. Well, 79th-minute, Luke Shaw takes down Retegi. That's a yellow card, unfortunately, for England fans. He had already had one. So you go to red, you go to 10 men. However... England clinging by fingernails. They win 2-1. That's a great result for them on the road in Italy. Listen, uh, we hope that your game day always starts here on Tim and Friends, and it is a busy one tonight. Leafs and Panthers regionally on Sportsnet Ontario. Wild and the Flyers early start on East Pacific in a few minutes. We've got an NBA doubleheader on Sportsnet 360, plus the Flames hosting Vegas on Sportsnet West, Penn Stars on Sportsnet One, and the Knucks and Sharks on Sportsnet Pacific. Got all that? I love it. It was a lot to comprehend. We'll get to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool. Uh, March Madness also resumes tonight. Yes. With the start of the Sweet 16, and earlier today, the NCAA men's hockey tournament got underway. Leafs fans... We'll be keeping an eye on Matthew Nyes, whose Minnesota Golden Gophers are the tournament favorites. They take on Canisius later tonight. Golden Griffs. Nyes is expected to turn pro when Minnesota's season ends. And yesterday, Austin Matthews was asked about him potentially joining the Leafs. You know, hopefully the, the year he's had here kind of gives him some confidence and, um, uh, and, and coming in and, and finishing his season and uh, seeing where that goes. And then obviously jumping in, it's, uh, it's quite a jump. But obviously he's uh, you know, a mature young guy and um, you know, we'll do everything we can to help him out and uh, give him the best opportunity to succeed. Do you think Nyes can make an impact this season with well, the big club? They've left cap space. Kyle Dubas specifically left a little room so that they could bring him into the lineup and their hope I mean listen he's put up a very impressive if there will be some pressure on this young man yeah, coming bit. into Toronto however we saw Cole Caulfield do as much for the Montreal Canadiens like it has happened before where someone with some success at 
the NCAA level, joins a team late and gives them a push. He's a big dude. We'll see if he can play the game that the Leafs eventually want him to play. But even if he contributes a goal or two in a bottom six for the Toronto Maple Leafs when it matters most, that's a big impact. If they get passed around, that's a big impact. And they are going to give him the opportunity yeah. to do that. Guaranteed. Seems that way, yeah. Guaranteed. You're going to give him a chance. How much rope you give a guy that young coming up in that spot? Yeah, just look to Cole Caulfield. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great. It's a, yeah. Yeah. And it's happened before. Montreal's had another guy. I don't know if you know Ken Dryden, but yeah. he did a yeah, pretty good job. I remember him. Uh, Philip Ronick yeah. will make his Canucks debut tonight against the Sharks. Ronick was acquired from Detroit ahead of the trade deadline, but he hasn't played since suffering a shoulder injury on February the 28th. It's unclear who he'll be paired with. Head coach Rick Tockett says he's looking forward to seeing him out there. They're really excited. I mean, I've really... I haven't seen him a lot with the, on the ice, so but the two or three times I did, he's he's uh, going to add a lot to his you know puck moving ability. He's got a great shot. It actually is hockey IQ, just on the offensive side too, is uh, is really good. So the Canucks have won seven of their last nine games. They're hot. Uh, has their recent play given no, you optimism? No, I'm not their... I know. I like Rick Tockett. I like what he's trying to bring to this team. I've seen this act before. I'll wait till next year to judge the Vancouver Canucks because I've been there. I've said they're going to be good, and they weren't good. I'm not falling for this trap again, ever. Yeah. You know what I think of? Uh, I think of the meme, the, the why meme. Why? 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 When I see the Canucks winning all these games. <laughs> this just can't be good. You want those odds to be better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Habs are in Boston tonight as the Bruins look for their fifth straight victory. I'm following... hoping this rivalry meant something. Yeah. yeah. Following Boston's morning skate, Brad Marchand filled in for head coach Jim Montgomery at the podium what? to provide injury updates and lineup notes. Have a listen. Doesn't he? Taylor Hall. Uh, I mean, he looks pretty good, though. No? I think he's playing tonight. <laughs> Huh? Goalie. Uh, who played last game? Uli. Oh, Sway's playing. Foligno? Still old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so old, still bald. I don't think that's coming back. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Uh, well, Taylor Hall is not playing, so let's not pass on misinformation right. from Brad right. Marjan. <laughs> but is for those he, excited, is he funny? Yeah, I like him. I wish there were more guys like him in the National Hockey League. And I think, like, yeah, yeah. I grew up in an era where Kenny Linsman was, like, a big part of what was going on in the National Hockey League. This is, like, a skilled Kenny Linsman who's kind of sort of funny and tells the truth. We, the game would do better to have more guys totally. like Brad Marchand. Totally. Agree. And I wish he played in a Canadian market. Uh, I just have one tweet as we go to, towards goodbyes here. Uh, John Levitt uh, works here at Sportsnet. We are on TV in Mexico. Yeah, I've seen pictures like this before. That's kind of a trip, isn't it? Yeah, very, very strange. Love That's it, though. Awesome. It's amazing. Hola, amigo. Como estas? That does it for us. We'll split the network now. Sportsnet Ontario gets the Leafs and the pregame show. West in 360. Get Hockey Central Pacific. Early start. Wild. Flyers.